to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I am Mark DeVoe. And I am Mark Stay. And thank you to our sponsor, Pro Writing Aid, the official editing software of the Bestseller Experiment. Pro Writing Aid is so much more than a mere grammar checker. It's a style editor, writing mentor, all in one package. And what's more, it works with Scrivener, Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Open, Office and Outlook. It's designed for the smarter writer, which is all of you groovy cats. And as a listener of the Bestseller Experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now. Get your discount today at prowritingaid.com forward slash bestseller. That address again, prowritingaid.com forward slash bestseller. Do you know what, Mark? Have you ever thought about a career in um, voiceovers on yes. radio? Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought of the circus, the firefighters, you know, everything. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this incredible day it's beautiful day here in vancouver island and we also want to welcome everyone who's live in the studio because this week's podcast is our special bestseller experiment live where we invite our supporters of the show into the studio to harass us and harangue us through an hour of incredible discussion so we'd like to welcome all of our lovely patrons that join now just a snatch here of people here we've got andy sage jack jan julian josh neil robin and more so thank you very much for joining us and today's episode is actually a continuation of the last episode we did live which was around mental health and we're going to dive into some really incredible communications we've had from our listeners but before we do that we actually want to celebrate something massive right mr stay yeah man we have been doing this well by the time this goes out live we've been doing this for three blimmin years three years of the podcast can you imagine it's utterly bonkers uh, as we said to everyone if you're new to this show uh, if you ever th- have that kind of chat with someone down the pub or, you know, around the coffee table about, oh, we should start a podcast. Think again, (laughs) because you might find you're locked in for life. But no, we've had an absolutely incredible journey. We're going to be reflecting a little bit on that journey during uh, this next hour. But um, we'd also like to thank and take this opportunity to thank every single person who's ever listened to this podcast. If you're listening to this now or maybe you'll listen to this in three years because we know people have binge listened stuff from three years ago um so we want to thank you for joining us because we've always said it would be pretty sad and lonely if the two of us were just sitting here chatting to ourselves you actually make this show possible um so thank you to everyone that supports us um thank you for everyone who's uh in the studio today and everyone's incredible emails uh, telling us how this show inspires them, how it's pushed them across the line. Every public declaration that's been sent to us in the last three years. I've, I've lost mm. count now, Mark, of how many people have made their public declarations for their writing dreams on our podcast. It's in the hundreds. We're probably going to be going into the thousands soon. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's one of the reasons we keep this going is hearing from our listeners and what what they've been inspired by. You know, some guest has come on the show, some some quote, something that they heard that pushed them over the line, that spurred them on to keep going. And it's um, it's great because it's 
I, I think in terms of my own writing, it's one of the best things I've done because I was quite a solitary writer. I was quite happy. And I do lock myself away when I'm writing. I shut the door there, you know. Um, but I was never – I was always – iffy about writing groups and yada yada and that sort of thing and it's really opened me up to that sort of stuff and you know it's uh, and you do enrich yourself as an author as a result in fact this is something we're going to talk about later on as part of the main subject but yeah it's it's um it's been one of the best things i've ever done I, I have to agree. I, I, as everyone knows, I had to miss this podcast. Um, took a sabbatical for six months due to family health issues, which you you can listen back to um, on an earlier episode. And I've got to say, for me, coming back and talking about mental health, coming back to this show was one of the things that lifted me. Um, uh, when you when you've gone through a really, really, really challenging time in your life, to have something that brings you a bit of joy. Um, it makes all the difference. And we're going to be talking a lot about that today, about how writing can bring people joy and help them through difficult times. But I just want to say as well, at this moment, we're having a bit of a love-in. We've got lots of incredible comments from people in the studio. We just want to say thank you to um, Julian, who said, wow, three years, yowzers, you've outlasted the original soundtrack. <laughs> soundtrack, <laughs> Star Trek. That's, that's an accomplishment. Six times fly, fly, says Robin Sarty. <laughs> that's brilliant. Jack says, best podcast ever. Thank you, Jack. And um, Sage also brings something up as well that we want to mention, is that everyone who's involved, um, who supports the show, gets uh, to become a member of the BXP team, which is a very special group of people. And we have a lot of people from the team in the studio today who say that it's the nicest place. Sage says it's the nicest place on the internet. And I have to agree. Uh, Julian says, I adore the BXP team. And, and Jack says, I second that. Um, so I think, I think, you know, what Sage says there, BXP um, doubly so when you get together in a group of people who are like-minded writers that can make all the difference in your journey so thank you to everyone who supported this show and, and joined that team as well hmm. so mark let's dive in we have a lot of things to discuss today we did an episode about a month ago which i think was the biggest episode in terms of response that we'd had from listeners wasn't it yeah no question at all we we, we thought we'd finally sort of take the the issue of writers and mental health seriously because it's it's one of the things you see again and again uh online is writers struggling to cope uh particularly this time of year we're gearing up towards NaNoWriMo and NaNoWriMo is a wonderful thing let's just you know get that out there we we, we love NaNoWriMo and it is helped people achieve their goals but also that thing of seeing people you know I did 1500 today 1600 words today 2000 words today if you're simply unable for whatever reason to hit that word count, you know, or, or the other thing that happens at this time of year, the other thing that happens at this time of year is you start seeing big deals being announced in the run up to Christmas and the Frankfurt Book Fair. So, yeah, this debut author got a million dollar deal and they've sold the movie rights to Steven Spielberg. You know, as much as we all love seeing other people succeed, th there is, you know, you, you will feel some kind of pressure to even match that or it, it can get you down it can get you down so um as the nights draw in i think it's quite apt that we should start talking about um mental health issues and we we asked our um our, our bxp team to share with us you know uh, any questions and i gotta say i was i was blown away by some of the stuff that folks have been have been sharing with us wouldn't you agree yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we've noticed, 
really from the last episode is just by talking about mental health and how it affects us both as writers and how writing can help us through our own struggles and journeys. It kind of opened the door, didn't it? Open the door to a discussion which we know is so crucial to have. I think one of the big themes that we've discovered by actually talking about this now is that it's very important for writers who are typically very isolated anyway. I mean, let's we, we've always talked about how we go into our little space and we have to. You, know, you can't be social whilst you're writing. You've got to be focused. But with that comes the challenges of mental health. And I think once we open the crack of that door, we suddenly realise that it's something that we really, it's our duty, I feel, to actually really bring this out into the open and make this a real public discussion um, within the writing community. So we're welcoming all of the stories that are coming in. But some of the stories we've got today are quite uh, heart-wrenching. Um, but we feel that it's really important to, to share these because we know there's a lot of people that will be listening to the show today that will realise that, number one, they're not alone. And that's probably the biggest thing that I take away from this. Every writer as part of a, any community, whatever community that is, whether even if it's online, um, you're not alone. And and that can in some ways relieve, relieve the burden a bit. But also what I'm blown away at is how people are willing to share some of their really, really personal stories. And I think, Mark, we'll dive straight in with um, Neil's story because Neil wrote us um, an email uh, which completely touched our heart. Um, so I think we should just read we should just read his story out, Mark. Straight, straight yeah. And just to make sure everyone knows, we do check with people that they're okay with us to share this stuff um, before we go live, um, because this is well. Look, you'll you'll hear it. Neil says I I have considered quitting before because one of the questions we we ended on in the last show was have has anyone ever just thought of giving up? Just sort of saying it's too hard. I can't do it anymore. I'm going to give up. Neil says, I have considered quitting before. Um, I had a series of bad things happen in 2012-2013, culminating in the loss of our first child. Um, the week after, I wrote a story for his funeral, and he's he's given me a link here, and I'll post a link in the show notes to this. Uh, it's on audio as well. Um, Neil says, I didn't write anything else for a year. Ultimately, writing has always been my therapy. And I found I had to go back at first with another dragon story and then other short stories that worked through the grief until I was producing more enjoyable stuff. I've become a great believer in art and creative expression as a way of coping, realising that much of my writing practice itself is essential to my mental health. I still have doubts over whether trying to get readers or get published by other people is worth all the heartache, but I don't think I could stop writing now. I think it's a case of reflecting on why you do it. These days, I still produce a dragon story every year on his birthday. Um, but Sorry, this is so sad. <laughs> but um, I also write a story, not necessarily a dragon one, for each of my other children. And they both have their own dragons. If no one ever, other than them, reads those, I'm good with that. Shit. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> folks. <laughs> So firstly, first we want to say thank thank you to Neil. Well, thank you, Mark, for reading that through. And thank you to Neil. Neil's actually in the studio with us right now. Um, thank you for joining us, Neil, today. And for sharing that story, because you've touched on a few things there which really, really resonated deeply with us. And, you know, we often talk about how there are challenges writing you know the, the 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 struggles that we all have the inner game of writing as i call it you know are we good enough will, will our dreams ever happen um you know 
have I got support from my spouse or my 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 family in in this in this venture? Can I quit my job and, and work full time? All those all those struggles, the daily struggles. But when we talk about things like this, um, incredibly personal stories, it starts to make us understand just how incredibly beautiful writing can be as a way of expressing ourselves through our sadness, through our loss, through our grief, and through our challenging times. And and for me, Neil, uh, your story touched me on on a number of levels, but particularly the fact that you were able to write around the time of your your child's death, and and secondly, how you now honour your child with this what is a sacred practice annually, and doing that for your other children as well. And I just think that is one of the most beautiful ways I have ever experienced or heard of how someone uses writing in their life as as an as a, as a cathartic process um and i think sharing that story today neil will will help so many people because i think there's a lot of people who suffer very quietly with grief um and grief is as i've as i've learned over the last uh, year and a half i lost my wife to cancer a year and a half ago and people always say that you there's an expectation that you get over grief that, you know, you, you, you grieve for a period of time and then you move on in some cultures, actually people are meant to grieve for a year and wear black and then, and then they move on. But I've learned through my own journey, and I'm sure Neil would agree with this, that grief is something which you never get over. It's a process that you live with for the rest of your life and it shapes and it changes, but you never get over it. So the fact that you are honoring, um, your first child with this with this annual ritual, which it, it must feel like now, which is a beautiful thing, is is a huge part of your journey. And I wonder how many other people listening who have been through a loss might think, you know what, that's maybe something I could do. I could write on the anniversary of someone's death to acknowledge where I'm at, how I'm feeling, even if it's just journaling about how you're doing that day. Or in your case, Neil, you know, writing something creative and, and an outlet as a story. So um, as Neil says, actually, he's written, he's written a comment. He says, yes, it, it becomes part of your story. Um, and Julian said, um, it takes incredible strength and resilience to turn such pain into something beautiful when it would be so easy to become hard and bitter. And I think that's, uh, that's an incredible incredible thing and sage has also just said that she launched silk flower goodbye on the on the 2nd of october um, which was the first anniversary of her best friend passing um so there's all kinds of different ways to honor people um who've left us um but to hear your story neil is i think very beautiful and also it, it it gives me hope that people might take your story as an inspiration in their own life what do you think mark uh, I hope there are some jokes at the end of this podcast. Um, <laughs> just, we'll, try, we'll try our best. <laughs> the thing is, I've I, just reading what Neil has been through and knowing what you've been through, mate. I, I I'm blessed, you know. I I don't have any of this. I you know I've um, we get upset when one of the chickens dies, you know. Oh um, yeah. So <laughs> I've 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 not hit this yet. I've got all this to come. Unless I go first, yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. I I'm. I mean, I've experienced bits. Of, I had I had, a, I had a good friend of mine die a few years. Funny enough, I was talking about him today because he was um, 
he was an alcoholic and he died young. He was only in his 50s. And uh, just a few weeks before he died, he, he knew I liked Pink Floyd and he gave me all his old Pink Floyd concert programs. He saw Dark Side of the Moon in 73, you know. Mm. And looking back, I think he knew he was going to die. You know, I think he knew. Um, so I, I don't know, just, yeah, a good, a good friend died and grandparents and stuff and uh but now i i can't i don't think i'm qualified to comment you know no. i don't think i i can well, go there i think it's, it's just heartbreaking i i, I mean i'll give you i'll give you some uh, you know neil's opened opened his heart out to us and i'm going to share with you as well what i've been doing since jen passed away and writing has actually been a big part of that but not how i expected this is the thing that has actually surprised me the most um while she was in palliative care, I actually discovered a love of drawing because I sat around for hours just with wanting to be by her side. Um, but there were many times when she wasn't able to talk when she had to rest. And so I, 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 I just discovered a love of drawing and I drew everything I could see in the room. And that was incredibly powerful. So another art form that, that, that's, that's useful. But what happened as soon as Jen passed away is I started journaling again for the first time in probably 20 years i journaled i journaled throughout my whole kind of um late teens and and i was at university for four years and i journaled every single day when i was at uni which is fantastic to have and actually in that is all the days when i met in the first day i met jen and all the how our story evolved which is a wonderful thing to have now but i've i've journaled every single day since jen died i literally picked up a book i use a thing called a bullet journal which i'll go into Okay, yeah, I was going to ask, what's the because di- I've I've kept a diary for about fifteen years now, and I I just find that it helps me get to sleep just putting what's in my brain onto paper. Yeah, but what's what's the difference between a diary and a, a journal, a well, bullet I, I, journal? I've always thought of a, a diary just as a thing where you write your appointments in. So we might be talking about the same thing. I see a journal as a place where you can write down your thoughts for the day, things that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's journaling is that there's the, but journaling goes beyond it's, it's not really an, uh, kind of a, you know, at nine o'clock I woke up at nine 15, I had breakfast. It's more, it's more a kind of, this is what happened in my day. And it, you, and for some people, the journal is actually just there. I'm feeling absolutely terrible today. I had the worst day ever. I hate my life or I love my life or uh, it can be emotional. It can be an emotional outpouring. So it's whatever, whatever you want it to be. And some days for me, it's just uh, this is what happened. I, I recorded the bestseller experiment live this morning, or, you know, and other days it's more about how, how I'm feeling or, or reflecting on something that's, you know, it might be a, th- a memory that I had about Jen. It might be something the kids have done, which I want to celebrate and I want to remember. Um, but I've written every day and, and I've struggled like crazy for the first year and a half since Jen passed away to actually be able to write, write, as in sit and write a story or write, write a nonfiction book or I've really struggled with that writing every day, but I have written every day because I've written at least 200 to 500 words in my journal each day. And I've got to say that without realizing it, it has been probably one of the biggest things that has helped me through this journey of grief by expressing how I am feeling. Because one of the biggest things I've noticed in, in, in the many people I've worked with who've, who've got major mental health issues is a lot of the time when it's internal stuff it's because what they're experiencing they're keeping trapped inside and they're not letting it out um i know people that won't won't go to counseling because they won't they don't want to talk about their emotions because it's too hard and that's completely understandable but you see when you journal 
you can let them out. It's like a journey that you can express on your own. But when you write, when you create a story, you become like the actor for every single one of those characters. And I've started to find as I've started to write again, a lot of my story and my emotions are coming out through the characters. And it's a very, very, very subtle way of, of, um, you know, cathartically releasing some of that pain that, that everyone who's experienced loss or any problem in their life, um, it's a, it's a way of, of releasing that pain over time. And, and that's what I think writing can give us. And maybe Neil, that's, you know, that's what you've experienced by being able to put pen to paper or fingers to keys, um, to, to write fun. about what's going on. Neil's just said, yes, the medium can be different. My wife is an artist and in her case, it came out through her paintings, which as you're saying, you know, you, you were, you were sketching while, uh, while you were with uh, Jen and Palliative Care. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jack says that her journal is a huge outpouring of emotions. So that's an incredibly powerful um, way. So, so one of the things that we want to bring to everyone today is if you are struggling with any mental health issues, even if you've not even started writing a book, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast because it's your dream to even just start writing a book, start by just journaling. And it can even be as simple as one thing or three things that you're grateful for when you wake up every morning and three things you're grateful for every night. And I started doing that and I've, all my coaching clients, I get that, them to do that religiously because if you start the day with three things that you're grateful for and you end the day with three things you're grateful for, no matter how crappy your day has been, and everyone has bad days, everyone has bad days. But if you can really practice focusing on three things that did happen, and I promise you every single person, no matter how bad your life is or how good your life is, but particularly if you're struggling right now, you will always, if you really try hard, you will find three things that you're grateful for. Even if it was just a, a stranger that smiled at you, you know, in the street today. So that is a really good starting point. But once you start that process, you might then move on to journaling. And when you, when you use journaling as a way of expression, that is, that is helping your writing abilities as well. And it is a natural stepping stone to hone, to hone your, your skills as a writer. And when you get into the world of writing fiction or nonfiction, that's an incredible outpouring of, of expression. Robin says, I have a friend who started using morning pages uh, to help with her anxiety. She says it's been amazing, the difference. And Jack Carmen says, morning pages was how I got started. So Yeah, morning uh, pages, like, I, know, I know about that, Mark, actually. It's, it's a really interesting um, process whereby you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you do is you just write a stream of consciousness. You just fill right. a page for 20 minutes, 10 minutes. You just write and there's no judgment. There's no, is this, is this any good? It's just, you just let out everything. Um, and it's a very, very popular, um, it's actually comes from a book, which I'll, uh, I, yeah. It's Julia called the Cameron, writer's, the, the writer's, writer's way. way by Julia yeah. Cameron. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a very famous book. It's been out for many years. So, so again, that's another kind of process, another way of doing that, but it's interesting to see that people are actually using that. Um, so three pages, that's, that's the goal each morning. You just write. And I think as I'm curious to know whether people actually have a book that they write in. Cause I sometimes I couldn't journal. I've tried to journal using apps and uh, it just doesn't work for me. It, it has to, no, it needs to be, it needs to be pen and paper. It, yeah. There needs to be a definite contact. That's, that's what I find with the diary. Yes. There's something about the brain connected to the ink flow, right? Yeah. It, there's yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. that's broken when we go to a computer, um, 
because th- there isn't that sense of it's coming right through me, as it were, as I scribble on the page. So mm. Um, mm. Richard says, welcome, Richard. He says, uh, each day I write little notes to myself. Uh, some of it, some are turned into blog posts and some of them I publish. So again, mm. uh, it's, you know, you never know quite where the ideas that you capture or the things that you write down, what they may become. They might become the beginning of a blog post or the beginning of a story. Yeah. So it doesn't Julian's- have to be, sorry, go on. So Julian says, I use a mechanical pencil because there's more sense of scratching and it's a more tactile experience. It's interesting. Whenever I get blocked, whenever I get stuck, it's pen and paper. That's Mm. what works. It's not the screen. Do you know what I most love about the pencil mark? Apart from it being one of the greatest inventions ever, I've actually read a book about the pencil. That's how (laughs) much I love pencils. Have you been to the Pencil Museum? I haven't, no. No, it's up in Yorkshire, I think. Is it? Brilliant. The thing I most love about a pencil is that it doesn't have batteries. (laughs) It's like, how many times have you ever wanted to get a note down on your iPhone or Android phone and the blooming thing gets broken or stuck or runs out of batteries halfway through and you lose what you write? I think... From a mental health perspective, and I was reading a book the other day called Digital Minimalism, and I also talked to someone the other day who said they they went away for a weekend with three uh, thirty of their closest friends, and they picked a place where people couldn't actually get cell reception. And the mm. biggest thing that came from this whole weekend's uh, retreat slash party was how much people realised getting a mental break from technology was absolutely huge. And mm. so that's another reason for people that say, oh, I can only type on the keyboard. Every now and again, I, I definitely recommend people just pick up a pad and paper and just go back to basics. Yeah. Um, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack says uh, she thinks the pencil museum's in Kendall, but I've just Googled it. It's actually in Keswick. So, because uh, I know it from the film Sightseers, where's a, a grisly murder, black comedy, grisly murder at the Pencil Museum, which I love. Um, it's interesting, uh, talking about social media, and we'll come on to this about this idea of connection with other writers and what have you. I'm friends with Steve Mosby on Facebook, and he, he did that. A lot of writers do this. I've never done it yet, mainly because I have to do podcast stuff, but a lot of them say, that's it, I'm taking a week off Facebook, I'm going. And then five minutes later, they say, no, I'm really going, I'm really going. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all right, go already. But Steve, Steve does this every now and then, particularly when he's got it. And he said, oh, for mental health, I'm coming off Facebook. And then a few days later, he came back on and said, I miss it. I miss it because he spends so much time at home alone and he misses the chit-chat and the political arguments and all the and everything else that comes with it. So, um, you know, that that's um, it's that thing of making a connection. And if you don't mind the social media connection then i think it's a great way to, i mean just look what we've got with the the group on facebook you know it's um it's a it's a safe place to go you know it's like yeah. cheers everyone knows your name do you know i think it's a bit like alcohol um <laughs> he says looking at me i think it's a bit like alcohol because alcohol is um in in moderation is is wonderful i mean i love a good drink as much as the next person but the trouble with social media and i think that's where a lot of things fall down is it's very addictive and if you spend too much time on social media um it can feed that addiction and then it can actually become very hard without people even realizing it because like with 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 something that is addictive in terms of a drug there's, there's an obvious thing that happens. You know, the person drinks too much, they fall over or they get their stomach pumped. And if they take drugs, you know, there, there are consequences and you see these things happen and people can respond. But mental health is all about the things that are hidden. And addiction is one of those things that is hidden. Nobody knows on the outside 
that somebody is struggling with any kind of addiction. And I think what we haven't really yet touched on as a society yet, and it's kind of starting right now, is that there's a that, that these social media networks are designed to be addictive because yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to work in the internet for years and, and honestly we would sit down and we would say, right, how do we how do we get people hooked on coming back to this website, for example? How do we keep getting coming back and coming back? And really Facebook and 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 Twitter and Snapchat where they're they're hooking in teenagers to kind of do these streaks where they have to check in every day to 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 get their mm. streak. It's all about training us like Pavlov's dogs to become heavy users of this. And I think the problem with social media is that once we get too stuck on it, um, and it becomes addictive and that we need, to, we, we get validated through it. We have to have a certain amount of likes in order to feel validated. That's where it all starts to fall down. Sage says, I caught myself the other day opening Facebook on my phone while I was browsing Facebook on my computer. Yeah, me too, Sage. <laughs> me too. You are not alone. Oh, man. Oh my gosh. And we'd like oh, to say welcome gosh. to Shell as well. You say she's just become a patron today. Congratulations. Woo! Thank you, Shell. And thank you for joining us. Welcome to the welcome to the BXP team. So um we would love to um get your f- experiences. If you if you've if you've ex- if you experienced something similar to Neil, uh, a loss where you've used writing as a cathartic way of of going through that journey. Um, maybe you've been inspired by Neil's story and you're thinking of doing something to honor somebody in your life. Please let us know, send us a note so that we can kind of share that with, with everyone. Um, and moving to the next email mark that we had, um, and this was from Rachel Howes. Um, yes. Rachel, um, was again, very, very open with her, um, with her kind of thoughts on, everything that had happened in her life. And I'm going to read her email to you as well, because this is incredible. Uh, and then Rachel starts, starts the email by saying, this was really difficult to write, but here goes. Um, I, as many, um, as I'm sure many people do struggle with the ongoing internal battle of poor mental health, anxiety and depression have been a part of me for many years. Occasionally more often than I care to admit, I find the weight of my anxiety and depression too difficult to juggle and carry which have can have profound effects on my writing. So, so Rachel's Rachel's angle comes at it almost from the other end of of the spectrum, which is like how your mental health affects your writing. She carries on. She says, "I've written poetry ever since I was little. I used to write as a way of taking the thoughts and feelings out of my mind and processing them as the words unravelled onto paper. Many of the poems go unread. They aren't forgotten, just filed for me to return to." This helps my older self recognize that I got through that difficult moment. That's how it all began for me, the love of the written word. For me, writing is not only a creative outlet, but a cathartic process. If I'm in turmoil, turmoil, I try to write, write anything. This doesn't always go to plan. Sometimes the darkness is so consuming and suffocating that I find myself staring into the eternal abyss of that dreaded blank page, allowing my mind to catastrophize. Caught me with that one. On these occasions, on these occasions, I can lose the enjoyment. I find myself getting exhausted as my rationale tries to defeat irrational in ever losing war. During these particular episodes, if I manage to get anything down, it's usually nonsensical or utter dross. Inadequacy and failure clings 
on forcing their metaphorical talons into the part of my brain, act, activ- activating silent screens of, you just can't do it, or you're no good at this. Do I quit? No. I'm more stubborn than I care to admit, and I'm t- tenacious to boot. One thing I always try to remember, even on the darkest of days, is that my anxiety and depression are not bigger than me. They are within me and can only ever exist within me. It is I that controls it, despite its insubordinate defiance. I may write no words some days and thousands on another, but ultimately I write because I love it. I write because there, these, there are stories I must tell, stories that I know people want to read. Yes, I want to give up sometimes, but those moments pass. They may seem they won't ever end at the time, but they always end. At least they have done so far. Wonderful and that's Rachel's story. Isn't that an absolutely yeah. beautiful account of one person's journey with their own writing? Yeah, absolutely. Rachel's actually in hospital tonight as well. She sent us a picture. She's smiling and uh, partner Andy's there with a thumbs up as well, you know, so, but she's in hospital. So we hope everything's okay, um, Rachel. Uh, but yeah, that's, um, this is, you know, that old thing of imposter syndrome. It's that, that curse of being able to, the curse of the writer is you're compelled to write, I think, um, but it's hard. It's hard. It's how we make sense of the world. And ultimately, we're trying to make sense of a puzzle that has no solution. You know, the, the human condition. That's what writing is all about. You know, if you're, even if you're writing literary fiction, romantic fiction, crime fiction, you're trying to figure out how the world works, how it all pieces together. And there isn't a solution. There isn't an easy way to fix that. So um, it's uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. And this is what can you know push those buttons drive us to these terrible anxieties Mm -hmm. i think it's uh, one thing that rachel mentioned was really interesting is that um i think through her writing she's recognized that it's it's an important place for her to go i mean when when people have depression and anxiety and they go and see a doctor um the doctor's job is to tell you what you can do for your own mental health, but they'll also always guide you down the route of medication, which, you know, in some cases is absolutely essential. I always like to think like, what, what are all the things that we could try? Maybe that, that some people might like very, very few doctors will say to you, at least, um, traditional doctors, let's say, will say to you, have you thought about journaling? Have you thought about trying to write about what you're experiencing? Um, and I think that what I've recognized in the work that I do is that, so many of these things, because you can't measure them, because you can't scientifically measure the value of it, it, it never kind of makes its way into kind of mainstream, this is what people need to do. And I often, I actually once heard from a doctor when I asked about, you know, why, why don't you advocate for this type of thing? The, the response was no data. She actually just said no data. And every time I asked a question, she just said no data. <laughs> I just thought, well, I know that data is useful, but I can, I think the bottom line is, is if, if you're struggling with mental health, you have to try these different things out. Um, you have to find what works for you. And Rachel has discovered through her journey that writing is an essential part of what keeps her, um, going through all of these challenges. 
And that for me is absolutely brilliant. The fact that she says, you know, write anything. It's not about having to write your best work. It's just just the act of writing. So, so if people are writing, if people wrote today and they've beaten themselves up because they don't think that they've written anything that's any good, just the act of writing is worth, is a reward in itself. So let's, let's talk about how we can help ourselves. And not to contradict what you were just saying, but um, Steve Gowland sent us a fantastic email, which has uh, been adopted by the NHS in the UK. So we are talking about health professionals here. Give, and it's been, uh, it's, it, they've been researched and developed by the New Economics Foundation. And there seem to be uh, a number of s- simple steps that you can take uh, to improve your mental health, to, to work with your anxiety. And just the headlines are, it's called Five Ways to Wellbeing, and they are connect, be active, take notice, learn, and give. And listeners, we'll put a link in the show notes to this, and I'll just put a link in the notes for our live audience as well so they can have a look at this as well because it's a PDF that you can download, I believe. But we'll just go through these now and discuss them because I think they're really interesting. And the first one we've kind of talked about already, which is Connect. And Steve says there's strong evidence that indicates that feeling close to and valued by other people is a fundamental human need and one that contributes to functioning well in the world. It's clear that social relationships are critical for promoting well-being and for acting as a buffer against mental ill health for people of all ages. With this in mind, try to do something different today and make a connection. Talk to someone instead of sending an email. Speak to someone new. Ask how someone's weekend was and really listen when that's the important part, listening when they tell you. Put five minutes aside to find out how someone really is. And so much of, that's really interesting because so much of our days, particularly if, if we have a routine, got the same train, same bus, same route to work, same office, same seat, by the same window, by the same door or whatever, you tend to go through the motions a lot of the time. And uh, that can, um, you can end up, you know, if someone says, well, what did you do today? And you go, oh, I don't know. What did, what, you know, you did, you're not, you didn't, you know, they used to say, stop and smell the roses. You know, that's what this is essentially. Make a connection. Uh, stop and speak to people and listen as well. So that's um, that 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 really rings true to me. Really, really rings true Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. The second thing that they talk about is being active. And we've. We, this is something, obviously, that's very important for us to discuss because as writers, generally, the act of writing requires sitting on our butts and <laughs> not being very active at all. And... I honestly think that if we're going to commit to writing and, 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 and it's different from just writing a bit of a journaling. I mean, I'm talking about people that sit down and, you know, anyone who's taking on the challenge of writing a story or a novel or a nonfiction book in a relatively condensed piece of, you know, time scale. I think it's very important that you also commit that you're going to look after yourself as well, because um, if we spend eight hours a day or three hours a day or, even an hour sitting, not doing. Um, it's very, very important that we have a routine that keeps us active. And what they do is um, they've actually said that regular activity is associated with lower rates of depression and anxiety across all age groups. So it doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, it also prevents slowing of age-related cognitive decline um, and promoting well-being. Uh, but it doesn't have to be intense. You see, this is the thing I think we all get, we all slip up on. We all think, oh, I've got to exercise. Oh, that sounds like getting up at six o'clock in the morning, go for a 5K run in the rain. It doesn't have to be intense. Slower paced activities such as walking um, 
are opportunities for us to have social interaction as well. So you get, you get that benefit as well. So some ideas that they're putting forward is, uh, and we've heard a lot of these before, but it's always good to be reminded, take the stairs, not the lift, go for a walk, you know, go set your alarm. The Pomodoro technique we talked about last week, um, set your alarm and do an intensive 30 minutes of writing, then get up and spend five minutes outside go for a little walk around the garden or out down the front down the road it doesn't have to be a huge amount but just do that exercise um people say walk to work um if you work at an office go for a walk at lunchtime get off the bus to stop earlier than usual have a kick about the local park uh, and do some easy exercise like stretching before you leave for work in the morning um i actually find with all this stuff mark out of interest these are amazing but i also find that to actually make them happen you need to actually I actually do this. I actually write down a tracker for the week. I say, right, these are things I'd like to do every single day and they're little things. And I actually have to write them down. Otherwise they never happen. So I think one of the crucial things here is if you want to introduce any of these into your life, set yourself a goal this week of just trying one of those things and having a little, like a, the Seinfeld kind of joke chart on your wall, which says, right, Monday, did I do it? Yes. Tuesday, did I do it? Yes. Okay. My record is two. I missed it on Wednesday. Okay. Now I have to beat my streak of two and it becomes a bit of a game, but you need, we need to introduce these kind of ways to actually make it part of our life. Um, I think, I think you need to give yourself permission to do it as well. Um, One of the things, particularly if you work in an office and there's lots of other people around there and there's a kind of sometimes there's a pressure to get in before everyone else and be the last one to leave and work through your lunch break. And I'm at the age where it's like, stuff that. I am going for an hour. I'm going to. I used to work near the Tate Modern. I got some of the greatest artworks in the world five minutes across. The, I'm, I'm going for a walk around the Tate Modern, you Brilliant. know. And sometimes I do it in the middle of the afternoon because if you're sitting there and you've got matrix eyes from staring at spreadsheets all day or whatever, you know, I, I said, that's it. I'm going for a walk. I'll just get up and go away. Um, it's probably why they sacked me. But it's, um, it's, it's you have to give yourself permission. And if it's breaking your routine, you're only making excuses for yourself. You know, it's um, we've got you know, sages saying, you know, walk around the house, circuits of the office, you know, walk. Richard walks around his home, uh, you know, find a way. When I get up in the morning i have like a two minute exercise routine and it wakes me up you know it's so a leg lifts and press-ups and stuff like that and all it took cost me a five pound yoga mat from argos uh, and that wakes me up for a start then i tend to sit on my butt all morning but in the afternoon i try and move around a lot more um and it's but it is you've got to get the circulation going and and yeah if you if you flop all day you have no circulation you just become this you know, your I brain, feel like I'm a lump sometimes. Yeah, you know? your brain actually gets dehydrated. Um, your brain needs to be sparked. I bet you the best writers in the world, I'll challenge anyone out there to device, but the best writers in the world have some kind of exercise routine because I don't think you can write optimally if you are trying to write solidly for like eight hours without any kind of break. I just need to rewind the tape a minute though, Mark, because you just said something to me, which is a bit of a massive revelation. Did anyone else hear this? But Mr. Stay said that he actually has a yoga mat. <laughs> Is that, I, oh, I love that. What can Mark. I say? You've been a bad influence. I have been a bad influence. <laughs> Mr. Stay has a yoga mat. Um, 
Brilliant. I mean, I, I do yoga. I try and do yoga two to three times yeah, a week. I don't do yoga. I'm not going to do yoga. No, no. I'm uh, going to okay. do push-ups on it like a man. Yeah, but three years ago, three years ago, Mark, when we started this podcast, if I had said to you, so have you thought about getting a yoga mat, Mark? You said, I'm not, I'm not getting a yoga mat. So in about three years, I'm just going to see if you're checking in at your local Namaste uh, studio. But, oh. but, but in all seriousness, though, um, for people that never tried yoga – for people and, and that do sit for a large part of their day, yoga is probably the best exercise that you can do for body and mind because it combines the two of them. And I found that the stretching stuff that you do in yoga, I don't get back pain anymore. I used to get back pain sitting on my butt. And I can absolutely attribute to that to yoga because that is my main form of exercise each week. So um, just putting it out there, if you haven't tried yoga, it's not all incense and and Buddhas, although a lot of it is. Um, but if you haven't tried it from just the exercise perspective, you might be pleasantly surprised. I'm a massive advocate. Sage says, Sage says it's difficult. I do yoga once a week. I'm starting adult ballet soon. And of course, there's walking and playing with the dogs. Robin says, when is Mr. D's yoga for writers video coming out? Oh, <laughs> just in time for Christmas. Jump on uh, that. Richard, Richard, Richard has a mat, basic yoga mat. Yeah, he does Tai Chi. Charles says, I crossfit three times a week and yoga when I can. I have to go away from my house or to exercise or I just won't do it. And that's a very interesting point. Uh, and this comes on to the next of the, the five the five points here, which is uh, it kind of ties in, which is take notice. So it says, remind yourself to take notice because it can strengthen and broaden awareness. Studies have shown that being aware of what is taking place in the present directly enhances your well-being and saving the moment can help reaffirm your life priorities heightened awareness also enhances your self-understanding allows you to make positive choices based on your own values and motivation it says take some time to enjoy the moment and environment manage you here are some ideas get a plant for your workplace have a clear the clutter day and i do that maybe once a week take notice of how people you know are feeling or acting take a different route on your journey to or from work and that definitely works that really works visit a new place for lunch so this is about either placing yourself somewhere else making a break in your team just to snap you out of it just to just to say i am present i i used to get i used to get them when i was a teenager i used to get these little existential crisis moments where i realize one day i'm gonna die you know and it, you get minor panics and you go oh, 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 and then you go you kind of fall back into that daze we walk around in our lives most of our lives in a daze and every every now and then we wake up out of it and go oh, oh bloody hell we're all gonna end one day ah the earth is gonna be consumed by a black hole oh no there's my bus <laughs> that's yeah. a typical day for me so yeah <laughs> Live in well, the you moment. Know, do you know what's interesting though mark is that i mean i've talked about four thousand saturdays before <laughs> i i literally this is yeah i know mark's just seen we're gonna <laughs> I, I want to say let me say that one please um but <laughs> sorry we'll get to this in a minute um but 4000 saturdays that's that's my website 4000saturdays.com you go to there you can see all my all my smart call it woo woo stuff but 4000 saturdays is all about the fact that we actually on average only have 4000 saturdays in our lifetime and it's quite a shocking statistic when people hear that and they think oh my god and when they realize that number then they start thinking well actually how many have i got left um, which, interesting enough, if you want to find out, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before, I've got a life calculator on my website. You can type in your age, date of birth, and it will show you how many Saturday. Yeah, Mark's shaking his head because, no. you know what, Mark, there are two different reactions I get to people with this. The first reaction is your reaction, which is, I, you must be joking. Why would I want to know how many Saturdays I've got left on average? I found, Mark, it's been the single biggest thing that has 
created my focus in the last 20 years because I don't have these existentialism moments where I'm going, I'm going to die one day. I think about that all the time. It's like I have a, I have a marble in my pocket every week, which is that week's marble. And I carry it around with me and I, and it's there as an anchor and a reminder to say, are you, are you making the most of this life you've been given? Because honestly, um, most people touch base with that once a year, maybe New Year's Eve when they look at the resolutions. I think the challenge we have in, in this modern society we live in, in the Western world, is that we don't talk about death enough. We don't face up to the fact that we're all mortal. And if we did, we would actually live our life completely differently. If we knew the date of our death as well as the date of our birth, we would live very, very differently. And so two, two different responses to that. One is the, oh my gosh, you must be joking, I don't want to know, which is a fear-based response of, around the fear of death. And that's, everyone has that. That's something that's very common. But then there's the other, the other side of it, which is what I'm trying to get people to, which is where they're motivated by how much time they may have left. And remember, it's an average. But as I say to everyone, if you get past that 4,000th Saturday, which is about 77 and a half years, in case you're interested, go to 4,000saturdays.com and click on life calculator if you actually want to see it. There's some positive stuff in there as well about how many breaths you've taken, how many times your heart's been. But if you get to that 4,000th Saturday, and you are blessed to get a 4,001 Saturday, you're getting to live that extra one Saturday for someone that didn't get it. So in essence, when you pass 4,000, you're now living your life for two people. Because on the average, if you're on the average, it says if you're one side, then there was someone else who wasn't. And so I think it's something that we have to embrace. And maybe I'll talk a bit more about this in future episodes. But um, uh, yeah, see, Darius is, <laughs> Darius has just gone onto my site. 2,225 Saturdays. No, <laughs> he says. See, but you're upsetting see, the punters. You're I, I'm not, the punters, no, because Devo. once it sinks in, once it sinks in, I promise everyone that does this, once you get over that, I used to fear death. I used to, I used to, I used to as a kid, I, that death was the scariest thing ever. I actually don't, I don't actually fear death anymore. I think what we fear is not death but it's not having lived. <laughs> and it's a very subtle but big difference. I, I have seen, I have, there is actually nothing to fear about death. And then the reason being, and I can say this hand on heart because I sat with my wife as she died. And I've had this confirmed by many nurses. The moment of death for most people is not that state of, you know, uh, horrible, all the horror stuff that we think about. It's, it's often quite, a, if for, for people obviously that are in hospital, and I know there's many different ways people die, but for, for the way when most people die, usually that moment of death is actually a very, very, very peaceful moment. That's what I experienced as well with my wife. So we don't fear the actual moment of death. We're actually fearing, I think, getting to the end of our life and looking back and thinking, I've just wasted my life, or I didn't do those things I wanted to. I didn't write that book. And so these are things that I'm trying to get people to think about because once you get past that initial scariness of how many Saturdays you've got left, how do you turn that on its head and use it to motivate you to start making decisions in your life which are worthwhile of your life and are for your kids and are for the really important things in life? And that's why I'm doing this podcast because I think writing is one of the most important things that we can do, writing our stories down we leave something behind for everyone else, but we also travel during our life 
expressing and recording all these things that we're experiencing through this human journey. So it's a, it's huge. It's a huge topic that we could dive into. Um, but I, I, I don't know where that lands with you, Mark, because I know that you've... Well, when, uh, when my uncle died a few years ago, um, the nurse left the room when she came back. She said um, he passed away. And uh, <laughs> she said, dying is a little like going to the toilet. She was Irish. She says, uh, you don't want anyone around when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, but we've had some lovely comments from people here. Julian Barton about Memento Mori says, sometimes people look at Memento Mori art with the skulls and it seems very grim. But there's also a very famous Roman mosaic, mosaic where the skull is juxtapositioned against a butterfly as well as the wheel of fate. It's all about the shortness and sweetness of life and sage says it's like me being more afraid of success than failure failure and dying is easy success and living is harder and jack says that's how i see it too so it's um yeah i i do take that point that yeah it's this is why we have a midlife crisis because this is why a lot because uh, one of the most common ages for suicide with men is around about 27 you know that's the, the famous 27 club all those rock stars who died when they were 27 years old and it is that thing of when you're 27 10 years ago you were 17 you could do anything. The world was your oyster. You could go anywhere, do anything. And you think, oh, my God, 27, I'm over the hill. I, you know, you'd ha I'd have new people start uh, at work and they'd say, oh, I'm 30, I'm old. It's like, you're not old, you're a child. You've got so much life ahead of you, you know. So we kind of write ourselves off before we've even got started. And that's one of the lovely things about uh, the podcast is hearing from people who just, you know, start today. Doesn't matter how yeah. old you are. It doesn't 50, matter 60, if you're 70. eighty. Yeah, exactly. If you're yeah. eighty years old, start writing just because you've never done it before. I mean, the other thing about midlife crisis, though, is interesting. Mark, we have this kind of term about midlife crisis. But if you live to thirty, should you be having a midlife crisis around fifteen? I mean, the point that we even have this idea of midlife crisis is ridiculous. The idea of retirement is ridiculous. Retirement's a myth. We shouldn't be waiting till we retire to do what we love. We should be yeah. doing it right now. And so yeah. let's stop thinking about. So the thing, the reason why four thousand Saturdays, I think, is an important message to get out there is that it gives us a benchmark in the ground. Like none, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not even guaranteed to the end of this podcast. <laughs> Knows, right? Yeah, but the I point know is, is that, <laughs> right? But I think it's so important that we stop this idea of thinking that we're guaranteed uh, an infinite life. Too many people in this lifetime live like they're immortal. The way that they, the, the, the priorities they make in their life kind of take into account this idea of immortality. I think we should be waking up every single day. Like, literally, I wake up every morning and I try as one of my first things. When I talk about three things to be grateful for, my first thing is, I woke up <laughs> that honestly anything else that happens is a bonus yeah uh, uh pat cadigan science fiction author a uh, friend of mine and I've, I've seen her at various conventions or whatever she was diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer quite a few years ago and her first tweet and her first facebook post every morning is basically in your face death in your face mortality <laughs> that's how she starts every single yeah. day she's brilliant pat cadigan check her out she's just amazing yeah. we, we're running out of time should we go through the rest of these um yeah i just i just make a reference though to something that was said earlier when we were talking about yoga mats and i made this big mark made this big <laughs> revelation about uh having yoga mat. Uh, it's the, not the comment revelation. it is is to me you kept that one quiet what color it's probably purple as well is it is it like some really funky color blue Blue. Okay. Well, that's fairly masculine, I guess. But um, mine's purple. Just, just for reference. But um, of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's the only one I could get an extra long, because I'm quite oh, tall. Stop. No. 
Anyway, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, Steve wins officially. I hope we, we should have a prize for this. Steve wins comment of the day. We have a chat window in our podcast. Steve, Steve simply put the, t- put the words as we're talking about yoga mats. He says, I have a beer mat. Very relaxing. <laughs> Comment of the day, Steve. Congratulations. Love it. So, uh, penultimate stage, learn. Continued learning through life enhances self-esteem and encourages social interaction and a more active life. Anecdotal evidence suggests that the opportunity to engage in work or educational activities particularly helps lift older people out of depression. Uh, The practice of setting goals... Hello. Setting goals, which is related to adult learning in particular, has been strongly associated with high levels of well-being. So, some suggestions. Find out something about your colleagues sign up for a class read the news or a book i don't know about the news mate bloody hell no um, so, that would so, depress you avoid the news um, <laughs> set up a book club research something you've always wondered about learn a new word uh join a podcast group join but a podcast a, group yeah but yeah that thing of continue i'm i'm always trying to learn i i never went to university i got fed up with higher education but i was always reading i was always learning new stuff i always if i ever get stuck I, i'm not like oh i'm gonna give up on that i'm like well hang on how what did i do wrong what did i do wrong this time how do i fix that i think that is a healthy ap- attitude and that that will keep you sharp i think so um yeah learn absolutely and i and i do think it's i mean that's really why we're here on this podcast i mean yeah 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 yeah. we set yeah. out on this mission to learn how to write a write a good book and, and one um, day we'll, <laughs> one day we'll work it out <laughs> maybe by season 10 eh, Mark? But, yeah, um, and the other thing that i think is really important and this is something that actually is really sums up everyone who's been a part of this podcast over the last three years whether it's someone who's just written into us shared their story or the members of the bxp team that are with us today um, and it and it's about giving. Uh, the idea of giving out. I mean, we do this actually through our writing. If we were private writers, if the whole act of writing was about us just writing our own stories so that we could enjoy for ourselves, it would kind of defeat the purpose, I think, for a lot of people. The reason we do this is we want to share our story. And that's actually gifting our words to to the world. And I think that's a very, very important thing. But it's interesting in this study where they talk about giving is a very important part of mental health. So every time you write, even if you have the dream of publishing, there is this sense of I'm doing this for a bigger purpose than just myself. And that's huge. And we can't underestimate the value of that. Again, it doesn't matter if you think it's not good. You might touch um, a, a, a spark or a nerve with somebody else who might then connect. So it says individuals who report greater interest in helping others are more likely to rate themselves as happy. Uh, research into actions for promoting happiness has shown that committing an act of kindness once a week over a six week period is associated with an increase in well-being. Well, isn't writing an act of kindness, Mark, in that in some regard, you could say that that is something that you're doing to share with the world. And I think a lot of health benefits come indirectly through that whole practice. As the Beatles said at the end of Abbey Road, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Uh Love it. Absolutely love it. Love that song. Jack says she's learning something new every day. And you know what? We will until the day we die. And I think that is one of the most beautiful things about this life is that we get to always have an opportunity to learn we we will never we will always and the thing about writing is we'll always have something new to learn it's like trying to master a musical instrument we'll never die having learned everything and so part of the mystery and part of the beauty of this journey we're all going on is that every single day 
we always can grow and we can always get better than we were yesterday. Um, Sage says there isn't a day in her life when she, uh, I haven't learned something in a day. Sorry. She says a day in which I haven't learned something is a day I have wasted. So that's an absolutely uh, great point. I think to finish off this podcast on, um, yeah. we would like to also thank everyone who's been connecting with us on social media, uh, this week has been quite a few uh, emails coming through on the, through the website as well. If you want to contact us, you can do that. Mark, is there anything you wanted to to mention from the social media this week? No, I think we'll do it next week. There's a lot to go through. There's some yeah. really positive stuff. I'll, uh, you know, our, our BXP, Robin and Jan both have books out. I'm going to mention those quickly. Uh, Robin uh, writing as Arlie Jacobs. Her book, Out of Options, is out. And uh, it's, it's written under a pen name and it's fantastic. So huge congratulations to Robin. Uh, Jan Carr also. Uh, today was publication day on 4th of October. The Wonder Girls is out. She's been on BBC Local Radio and uh, she's doing blogs and all kinds of stuff. So just fantastic. She says, I'm working my way through the indie bookshops, starting with Southampton, then Shetland. So I've got the full length of the UK covered. So congratulations to Jan and to Robin, who both of whom are alumni of our uh, of our um, uh, one-page punch-ups uh, in the past. So, you know, th- they just go from better. Uh, and Robin says, yes, and Sage's book, which you mentioned last week, and Nicole's, which I think we mentioned last week. If we won't, we'll mention it next week because I don't have it in front of me here. <laughs> brilliant stuff brilliant and and jan actually says jan's with us in the studio today so thank you for joining us jan she says yes giving empathy imagination support support others virtually and in real life what else are we here for Absolutely. beautiful stuff brilliant so please do join us on social media even though we said that just not too much of it just a bit of social media you can join us on facebook and twitter instagram pinterest also, do come to the website if you've got an email you'd like to you'd like us to read out on the show, or something you'd like to share, which has been sparked by this discussion around mental health. Please do. Um, we're always we we really really appreciate people sharing their stories with us. You can do that by actually just coming to our website, bestsellerexperiment.com, and clicking on the contact button, and there you can fill us a form and uh, tell us your story. Uh, we'd also like to thank all of our patron supporters, uh, all the people that support us with by by donating to this podcast to keep it going. Um, if you'd like to join that incredible group of people, you can join us for live live uh, shows like this one in the in the audience. You can also be a part of many other benefits, including over sixty hours of deep dive episodes, which go into incredible detail on many many different topics. To do that, just pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and sign up it's a very simple process and we look forward to welcoming you to the bxp team which is the private facebook group where all these incredible writers um, both aspiring and already bestsellers um, live their days and support each other Um, it's an incredible mental health uh, break for many of us i think that group isn't it mark Absolutely. It's a joyous place to be. And don't forget, you can get 20% off ProWritingAid at ProWritingAid.com forward slash bestseller as well. So that helps you with your writing too. Um, Thanks to everyone who joined us this week. Uh, Do keep rating and reviewing and tweeting and telling your friends and sharing stuff because it's the only way we can keep this going so thank you so much to all of you and uh the usual i mean this has been an amazing episode the usual waffle will be back next week i think you know the usual uh what did someone say uh we only ever remember the one star reviews don't we that's a mental health issue oh, what yeah. was that one star review uh, giggling was, girls i think it was yeah, yeah, giggling wa- girls waffling content or something <laughs> <Any> childish, <laughs> oh childish waffle sage remembered thanks Sage. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So join us for some more childish Childish waffle waffle next week. week. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, listen, um, thank you to everyone for joining us. Get over to bestsellerexperiment.com. We'll be doing this again next month. I think mental health is going to become a bit of an ongoing theme. So we're not going to, we're not going to stop on this one. We're going to end, we're going to end with a joke. Sage says, you asked for a joke, Mr. So here you go. Uh, my friend entered a pun contest. He entered 10, figuring at least one of them would win. But no pun in 10 did. Oh! And on that note, it's a goodbye from Mark 1. And a goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Have a great ride to week, everyone. Bye. Bye.